well-established civil society organization in Athens. And we have with us uh, Antonio Mikhailov, who is an executive director at Subversive Front, and Apostolis uh, Karabairis, organizer of Thessaloniki Pride. We can give the floor to the speakers to tell a few things uh, about their job. But first, to introduce the topic. So uh, we will give the common title of the, of the podcast is Cooperation Under the Common Rain- Rainbow. So welcome to the both of you. Thank you. Thank you. Hi. <laughs> Who wants to go first? <laughs> okay. Uh, let, uh, let it be me then. Uh, Yes, uh, I'm the senior advisor at Subversive Front, but I'm also going to speak on behalf of Scopy Pride, uh, the first one that we had in 2019, with uh, huge support from our international partners, one of them being the Zanonicky Pride. Uh, and I'm really happy that I'm part of this podcast because it uh, addresses one of my very dear issues, which is, of course, uh, cooperation across the borders, in particular between uh, North Macedonia and Greece, because these types of cooperation are not so many. And we are very happy to, to say, proudly say that we have had this successful cooperation for over five years now, I think. Uh, so Mankipite was one of our first supporters. Uh, they have had uh, their promotional materials in Macedonian language being written a couple of years ago uh, for many occasions of the Pride, of the Thessaloniki Pride. And uh, it was the only Pride actually that we could go to and feel that we are at home. Uh, however, um, this was even more uh, amplified when we held our first COVID-19, when not only Greece, but also activists from Bulgaria, Serbia, Albania, Kosovo uh, came and held their speeches in, uh, on the stage in the city park of uh, Skopje, which is kind of a symbolic, uh, this, this uh, play of, uh, what it means to have a cooperation with all the regional pride or pride organizers, uh, especially when it comes in a context that has so many similar issues, so many similar battles and uh, so many similar struggles, but also sharing a very similar vision. And that is uh, advancement of the human rights and the status of the LGBTI people living in the Balkans. Um, I think for me personally, this is really uh, always like uh, the Greek uh, activists uh, in cooperation with them has been very uh, dear to me just because that it was also the first pride that I uh, attended to, the Thessaloniki Pride. And also it was the first international activists that I met for, for the first time a long time ago. So I'm very happy always when I meet with them or discuss with them and uh, share um, some or do something, uh, something together with them. I would also um, applaud to see in action and utilize cooperation. I think this is really uh, good in establishing a bit bigger understanding between the two nations, and especially between the youth, because youth are the ones that we as an organization, but also as Copacabac, invest so much into, just because we see the potential for making a change or contribution to making a change much bigger there than in the other, other groups. And I'm looking forward to see where this cooperation will head to. Thank you. <laughs> the cooperation will head to towards whenever we will lead the cooperation to. And I'm very glad to hear this personal story, especially. So, Apostolis, hi. Yes, hello from Thessaloniki. 
Uh, well, this is all very touching and very motivational and uh, inspirational, I would say. Uh, Antonio covered most of our uh, uh, connections, let's say our links and our common vision. Uh, for us also, Skopje Pride is, uh, you know, we are Thessaloniki Pride, so we are primarily a pride organizing uh, association. And uh, Skopje Pride being our closest geographically <laughs> uh, pride uh, has um, an important uh, position in our uh, heart, in our vision. And uh, if, if I am to speak for me, you know, it's a, it's a shared goal because the LGBTI community isn't only in Thessaloniki, it's beyond, and uh, we face uh, a common fate, we struggle for the same uh, uh, difficulties, discriminations, and um, international cooperation, uh, actually, and most importantly, regional cooperation is uh, our very top in our agenda. And we will discuss uh, later how, later during this podcast, uh, how we advance it. Uh, but uh, yes, indeed, with it, it has also to do with uh, the people that uh, are in this uh, in the movement. You know, when you see uh, visionaries with uh, and you share the same vision, then you have no other choice than to work together and uh, bear fruit in this uh, wonderful field. Nice. And uh, thanks for the honor to have us. <laughs> your your first podcast in this series. It was it's quite inspirational to see how much have been done in the in the in the movements and in the prides. So Alex, would you like to say something? Yeah, I would like to say that this podcast is like one of the reasons in order to indicate in a really like weird period that we are facing due to. COVID-19, uh, to far-right political parties that we see in Europe, that we need to indicate the protection of the human rights that all the people in Europe must have, not only in Europe, but also globally, and specifically the LGBTQ plus rights in Europe that we see the last years that are facing a huge like danger. So yeah, you can proceed, Anelia. And I'm also a true believer that uh, much more things can be achieved if we cooperate regionally and special, especially on a bilateral level. If we are alone, excluded, isolated, I think that we cannot do anything, but now let's explore more about the current uh, situation in the both countries. So I would like to ask you, the both of you to go more in details about the concern of the legal framework and the existing stereotypes marriage rights, adoption from same-sex couples, what is the condition in North Macedonia, what is the condition in Greece, and let's see what is similar, what is different, and what can we learn from one of each other. Uh, yes, uh, well, I can just say on behalf of North Macedonia, um, legislation-wise, uh, we're not that uh, advanced when I mean, it comes to in comparison to the other regional uh, countries, but also in Europe. Um, we only have now anti-discrimination law, 
comprehensive anti-discrimination law that covers and protects against discrimination against uh, sexual orientation LGBT people, uh, which means uh, we can legally uh, complain and ask for remedy, legal remedy when when it comes to discrimination based on sexual orientation and gender identity happening either in state institutions or access to goods and services or elsewhere. Um, we have had this law since last year, so since October 2020, but it was a 10-year battle because the first law that was uh, adopted was 10 years ago, 2010, which did not include SOGIA's grounds of discrimination, although it was used and complaints were submitted uh, for forward or toward the uh, Commission for Protection Against Discrimination. Um, when it comes to uh, hate speech, um, or hate crime. We only have protection against the hate crime based on SOGI, meaning the criminal code recognizes sexual orientation and identity as aggravating circumstances when uh, hate crimes occur. When it comes to hate speech, this is not the case. We cannot criminally uh, uh, seek legal, com uh, legal remedy against perpetrators of hate speech based on SOGI. However, there is part of the criminal code that um, protects against any kind of discriminatory speech, including uh, the one based on political beliefs or national or ethnic origin or religious beliefs, and other grounds. We use the other grounds very often to, to submit complaints and ask for protection based on, uh, against uh, hate speech based on social. Um, and when it comes to the other uh, rights, human rights that we have and we have demanded since, uh, we have started the uh, amendments to the law on civil registry, meaning we want to regulate the legal gender recognition for trans people to be able to have their uh, ID documents uh, in compliance with their gender identity or who they are. And uh, we have still not come to the point where the parliament will adopt the amendments to the law on civil registry. However, we're aiming to that, we're advocating for that. And we have, uh, since February last year, we have um, started the work on the National Action Plan for Advancing the Human Rights of the LGBTI, mm -hmm. which uh, provides a comprehensive framework for protection against uh, discrimination, violence, and all other types of human rights abuses of LGBTI people in the uh, areas such as education, healthcare, social work, um, police, um, judiciary, uh, media, and, and so on. It's a national action plan that has been adopted or become part of the national program for adoption of the acute community of the law of the EU. And it is one of the requirements that the country has to fulfill should it want to become a member of the EU in the next five years. Uh, apart from that, I think it's very important, but we can speak about it later in details. I think it's very important that uh, the law or the legal situation reflects what the community demands are and so far we have not been able actually to request or to demand uh, the uh, regulation of same-sex couples or um, partnerships nor the other rights coming out from uh, regulation of these kind of partner uh, relationships that's just among the others adoption of children and, and so on we hope that this will start in autumn or this year or at least spring next year because there are more than a dozen of uh, more than tens of uh, same-sex couples living together and some of them having children. 
some of the children are already in school age. So I think it's high time that we start with it. Uh, finally, when it comes to uh, <clears throat> protection against violence, we do have a comprehensive law of protection against violence against women and uh, domestic violence, which also recognizes the violence against LGBTI people because Macedonia uh, has ratified the Istanbul Convention. And this means that uh, the country has to provide protection from violence against LGBTI through its uh, either financing or advocating for protection against violence mechanisms. And this is, I think, yeah, all that I want to say at this point. Yes, so, uh, yeah, we always start from the legal framework. Uh, according to the well-known map of Filga, when, uh, which ranks the countries, uh, uh, according to the legal framework regarding the LGBTI rights, Greece is uh, somewhere in, in uh, the median, meaning that, uh, you know, compared to other countries, uh, we are more or less uh, an average one. Uh, or uh, regarding the EU countries, not, not such a good record. Um, but uh, I think the problem is not, uh, you know, we have, we have a lot of uh, laws in place, but the real problem is implementation. So um, although uh, Greece ranks quite good, it doesn't reflect on uh, our experience. So yes, regarding the emblematic laws of civil partnership and gender and legal gender recognition, we have them in place for some like I don't know five or six years now. Um, there is an anti-discrimination law. There is even reflecting on what Antonio said. Uh, we even have uh, criminalized the hate speech, uh, homophobic and transphobic hate speech. But this is, especially this law, is very uh, difficult to enact because you have to prove that hate speech led to a hate crime, <laughs> which, you know, uh, it's you know, very difficult to prove. Um, and uh, generally, Ah, the, the first law in Greece, I think, to, uh, to be in place was uh, protection in, uh, at the workplace. And also, the, uh, if we go really back, uh, the criminalization of homosexuality was uh, uh, done in the 50s, if I'm not mistaken. So quite early compared to the European average. Um, but... Um, as I, as I told you before, the, uh, the real uh, problem is implementation and uh, how we will um, train uh, the institutions to uh, enact and uh, implement uh, these laws. I also, and this is a very, a very recent development because I also heard Antonio mentioning it. We have this, the so-called national strategy. Uh, which, yes, in Greece was really late in uh, doing it. We had uh, <laughs> some uh, laws scattered here and there, but recently, uh, under the um, uh, initiative of the uh, Prime Minister office, we had, we drafted this uh, uh, 
National Strategy for LGBTI Equality, and I had the honor to be a member of that uh, committee. Uh, but you know, it's just it's just the first step for a comprehensive LGBTI policy. Uh, we have to see the the implementation of it because we we drafted just the national strategy. Now we have to put it in an action plan and really have uh, results. And not always everything means that is there, if, mm -hmm. if there is a law, then the people will respect and will mm -hmm. follow the law. This is one of usually, the major issues. Usually mm -hmm. it works like this. And in other fields, uh, in my experience, in other fields, it's usually the institutions that lead and show the people the way and they shape the um, consciousness and the behavior of the people. Uh, however, in, uh, in the LGBTI domain, uh, the opposite is happening, at least in uh, Greece. The, the political elites have been, although you know the, there are uh, some um, forward-thinking politicians in all major parties that have ruled Greece uh, in the, uh, after the transition to democracy, let's say. But they have been very, uh, how to say, uh, not, uh, not uh, ready and uh, uh, not... Um, <laughs> Sorry. Uh, they were very slow in uh, enacting uh, uh, laws for the protection of LGBTI and the uh, society is moving forward and we can see it uh, in, uh, in, uh, in the social life, in uh, the LGBTI prides of Athens and Thessaloniki that are massive. The society is changing and it drags the politicians <laughs> uh, with them. Whereas usually it's the the opposite. Because of the, how to say, because they are always chasing for the voters. So this is a, an yeah, opportunity exactly. to be in trend and to follow what's happening in the, in the social life. So Antonio, what do you think? How is the situation in our case? I think it's... Uh, Similar, but also not that uh, similar. Uh, in a way, uh, Apostolis was on this first regional conference that our uh, government organized in 2018, just days before the Pride. And he made a very clear example of how public opinion matters uh, in Greece and how the policies are shaped and advocated for based on the public opinion. And in our case, I think it's not that it's not an example because the public opinion is negative, not in favorable, not in favor of us. Mostly uh, the views and attitudes are pathologizing, meaning that homosexuality is still being perceived as illness or disease and uh, that uh, LGBT people need to be treated or cured. Um, and I think this is one of the reasons why we have uh, made a bit of a shift in our policy and our uh, priorities, meaning we have started invested heavily in mental health for LGBTI because LGBTI people are themselves also suffering from this internalized homonegativity and internalizing discriminatory attitudes and beliefs about themselves. And uh, as, as much as good uh, policies and laws if we have in place as, as good or well-trained um, professionals in the state institutions we have, we would not be able to make a step forward if we don't have an empowered community and people who know their rights and who can report the abuses they endure and the uh, uh, violations of their rights that have 
to the uh, state or to the organizations, we will not be really having a significant progress forward. And this has shown as the most effective way because after a couple of years of testing in mental health for LGBTI, meaning providing individual and group psychotherapy for LGBTI, opening a national helpline for LGBTI, and also providing mobile psychosocial support. This increased the number of people requesting the, the services, in particular under the pandemic, which has resulted in double numbers of requests or demands for assistance from us, and has resulted also in uh, providing state support of the safe house that we have, but also the Jupiter helpline that we opened last year in August. So um, I think this is one of the key avenues we explore in advancing the status of the LGBTI community in North Macedonia. But of course, these changes have to go parallel with the advocacy progress and also uh, the progress with uh, research or generation of evidence when it comes to the particular needs and issues that LGBTI people have uh, in the country. I, I wanted to stress the, the importance of boosting the self-confidence of uh, uh, our community based on what you said Antonio because I can see this uh, this process in in our community as well when we believed in ourselves when we uh, really um, thought we, we have the power when we thought that we can do it when we fe felt empowered this is uh, when we were able to go out and march in the streets and this is how we created, um, how uh, we transformed our agenda into a mainstream and changed the hearts and minds of the society. So I think because you still believe that the society is negative, once they, because most of the people don't really, you know, think about these things, they just go with the flow. If they feel that, uh, you know, the society is going to this direction, then they will uh, change their mind automatically. That's why I feel I consider very important to, uh, how to say, to mainstream our agenda. And this is the, um, uh, the importance, the goal of our pride, to show that we are not uh, that marginal as you think. We are not uh, people that uh, exist in the margin of the set. We are inside it and we function uh, with it. Uh, yes, in, indeed, mainstreaming LGBTI in society is one of the also key avenues uh, that needs to be explored uh, for advanced LGBTI rights and status. Uh, I would also add that, for example, um, the normalization of oppression, the normalization of discriminatory attitudes and beliefs about LGBTI that happens within the LGBTI community members results in living closeted lives or normalizing that gay is not okay, or uh, living as LGBTI, open LGBTI can do harm, which of course it is, it can be the case, but when it comes to minimizing or actually eliminating the prejudices and stereotypes against LGBTI, there has to be some kind of interaction between the LGBTI and the non-LGBTI part of society. And this interaction cannot happen if there is no information from the other, from the LGBTI community members that they are themselves LGBTI. And this is uh, where the <clears throat> support from <clears throat> professional, mental health professionals can come in place 
because they empower the Jupiter community members to feel first that they are okay who, with who they are and second to start living more authentic and more open lives because they only have one life and this should not be wasted. Otherwise, the negative outcomes of living closeted and uh, uh, lives that are not uh, productive, both at the uh, workplace or in family environment, like a functioning life, can result or can be, you know, uh, self-harm, uh, suicide, um, violence that is manifested at other grounds. For example, some of them uh, very strong homophobes can uh, be self-harming LGBT individuals, but also some of the, the biggest, let's say, nationalists and uh, any kind of other haters can find a reason to hate the other, different, just because they have not accepted that part of themselves. So this means that uh, hatred starts within ourselves, unfortunately, and is manifested uh, outward uh, in very different ways. This is why we invest heavily in mental health. We have hired uh, five so far licensed psychologists and social workers. We have had more than 100 calls from 50 different users of the Algebra Help in a year. And um, we have uh, sought support from the state and we have actually received support from the state, financial support from the state, when it comes to the uh, functioning of the LGBTQ. However, this is also important because when LGBT person becomes less um, harmful towards themselves or less negative about themselves, they also start becoming aware that becoming an activist can be one of the avenues they can work on. And then the sustainability of the activism can be, uh, be ensured just because, you know, with the generations going and coming and leaving, there has to be a solid ground for you know, breeding new activists. We need to have more and more LGBT activists, mostly coming from the youth LGBTI. And this is one of the ways that we use for making our LGBT activism sustainable. I would like to add that everything, for example, I agree with you like 100%, but we can see that despite the laws that we have like in the constitutions in both countries, we need to educate the people. We need the authorities to educate the people, to inform them, to respect each other. And at the end, we can see that except like homophobia, there is transphobia, there is Islamophobia, there are like sexist attacks, etc. So we need empowerment. We need visibility from all the people, for, from all the people, for all the people at the same time. And I would like to proceed, for example, that uh, what is like, a, for example, what the NGOs and the civil societies organizations and the activists can do in order to secure equality in all the sec in all the sectors, for example, from your experiences. Yeah, I, I would. Um, uh, this is what I would say that we can't expect everything from uh, the state, the authorities. Huh? Yes, uh, it's very important to see that when uh, civil society. Uh, is functioning in a society, in a state, in a country, uh, it can uh, have great results. And uh, the Macedonian civil societies, uh, especially at least in the field that I know, uh, uh, it's very indicative on how we can uh, uh, transform a society that was 
supposed to be highly homophobic into, you know, now, now LGBTI visibility is uh, much stronger. Let's not forget that um, uh, the first uh, LGBTI uh, community center was in Skopje. So uh, apart from uh, what are the agendas of the ruling parties, it's the input of uh, the civil society. And the other um, thing that uh, I wanted to point out is that, uh, yes, we, we, are talking, uh, we are talking about the situation, uh, the current uh, state of affairs of our community, but you know, all, not all uh, members of our community have the same experiences. Because for um, the most um, uh, privileged ones, like the masculine gays or the feminine lesbians, uh, okay, probably they, they face these uh, institutional uh, uh, hurdles, obstructions, but uh, when it comes to intersex or trans people uh, or, you know, uh, LGBT people from rural areas or immigrants, uh, the situation is much harder for them they, or in minorities, in uh, smaller societies, they... They don't, uh, they don't have the same level of acceptance. And uh, the situation that Antonio described, the internalized homophobia or the, um, the hatred that uh, is produced towards another minority is very common. And at least me, myself or people with the same experience, with the same, uh, uh, how to say, uh, professional uh, or activist life, they, we face it uh, daily. And this is something uh, we have to work on uh, because the root of every discrimination is the fear or, uh, yes, the fear for the different. So that's why uh, our movement, and it's a global trend and we are very happy about it, uh, needs to be intersectional to, uh, to combat any type of discrimination and not uh, like uh, we are okay, but let's target another uh, vulnerable group. We can see also the theory of intersectionality, for example, that there are stereotypes inside the movement. For example, with the LGBTQ plus movement, it's a totally different thing to be like a white gay European, if you compare it like a refugee, for example. And the same thing in other movements also, yeah. Yes, I completely agree with uh, what you both said. Um, for example, we have been working with LGBT Roma people here in North Macedonia for the past two and a half years, three almost years. And uh, we have seen the level of uh, discrimination within the LGBT community against Roma LGBTI. And also we have seen or the Roma people have themselves shown us or witnessed or reported to us the level of discrimination they uh, experience within their Roma community just because they are LGBTI and Roma. Uh, and uh, when it comes to providing support systems for this, these people, I think it's important to have all this in mind just because some of them can really have no single source of support. So living uh, as an open, openly gay, white Macedonian is or has some advantage when it comes to living as a, a 
trans woman who is Roma, who is also a sex worker. Uh, and this is something that we also have all the time in mind. And just because we will be all, you know, there's this thing, we will all be free until everybody is free and free from discrimination, not only me, it's for the ones who have the privilege not to be discriminated or uh, not to be discriminated that often. It means that the most discriminated within our group have to also feel free from discrimination. Uh, I wanted to say something more about what Alexandra said when it comes to education. The prejudices and stereotypes, not only about LGBT, but also about women and anything that is different, do happen in, in the homes, uh, transferred from the parents, and continue to be transferred from uh, teachers in schools and other uh, education professionals, and is being manifested among the peers in, in school environments. And uh, this is really uh, uh, crucial when it comes to uh, making some reforms in the education system, such as we have currently one in, in North Macedonia, with the attempt to reform our elementary education, elementary school education, uh, with promoting uh, inclusivity and gender um, equality and uh, freedom from violence within both the curriculum and also the practices of the teachers, including also um, uh, training the teachers to become uh, role models, not only for the uh, pupils, but also for their colleagues, because this is an investment that will not be, uh, uh, we will not be able to see the fruits in five years from now, but maybe 20 years from now. Uh, so education is one area where has, there has to be significant reform done. We cannot expect changing of attitudes and beliefs among people who are over 50, 55, or 60 years old. They still believe, you know, that, you know, they have the same attitudes and beliefs from former Yugoslavia, where homosexuality, homosexuality or homosexual activities between two men are, have been uh, illegal or criminalized. So um, uh, education is one area, healthcare is another one. Discrimination here happens to a great level, especially when there is an intersection between living uh, with HIV and being LGBTI. Uh, another area is the social care services, where people are not really professionals are not really uh, able to provide a pro an adequate uh, social care service to trans people. Uh, mostly those are the cases that we have documented. And finally, judiciary. For us, uh, the most important and the most difficult to, to work with is the judiciary system, meaning the judges, the prosecutors, as well as the police have shown the biggest um, resistance, let's say, not only because of lack of knowledge of the legal matter, but also not having the legal matter at all. As I mentioned, we only have the discrimination law and some regulation of the hate uh, crime, uh, but also just because they are kind of uh, very heavy, very robust system to be uh, hope, hoping to, to change very soon. But uh, once it is changed, for example, once we have a verdict in our favor, or like discrimination judgment in the favor of us, then a significant change will be made. So this is why we have continuously advocated for prosecuting of all the hate speech that is occurring during and after Skopje Pride. Also, whenever a public event like a, a politician supporting us or um, a, a celebrity endorsing us, uh, there's a heavy volume of hate speech on social media. This is why 
one of our key advocacy requests is actually regulating social media content when it comes to discriminatory hate speech against the Jewish but also uh, training um, journalists, especially editors in chief, to uh, refrain from using hateful rhetoric or writing inadequately and not fulfilling the journalistic standards of ethical reporting when it comes to writing news articles in their portals or newspapers or kind of other media, either digital or traditional. We'll see how this podcast will go. <laughs> so I have one like very short, short question, even though it's a white, white topic for my question that I will uh, ask now. So basically what is what I can perceive and Antonio, please correct me if I'm wrong, wrong um, the LGBT uh, community in our country, those who are living in Skopje, who are Skopje based, they are, let's say, more free, more privileged, and there are more places to, I don't know, to go out, to be accepted by the community. But in the smaller communities, there are many stereotypes and not even if you're privileged and not, but there are few opportunities. The community is quite conservative and stereotypical. And also in the cross-border region, there are a lot of small places where gay people cannot go out, uh, come out publicly that they are gay. So do you both think that we can advance or improve the situation if there is some kind of bilateral ap approach towards the position of the LGBT communities, especially in the smaller uh, cities, towns who are on the cross-border uh, region? Because I have crossed the border for several times. I mean, when you go to the, to the borders, then you'll see in the, also in the Greek part that people are behaving more or less the similar, the traditions, the customs, everything is quite similar according to my opinion. So that's why I'm asking and I'm looking forward to the answer. Please, Antonio. I would completely agree with you. One of the reasons why I think that Saloniki Pride had its promotional materials in Macedonian language earlier and also had invited many Macedonians, especially from not only Skopje, but also from Strumitz and Bitola, kind of border towns near the Greek border, is the reason why I think um, uh, addressing the issues and needs that uh, people living in, in smaller towns or rural areas is also important. Um, I think the Pride events that such as are also perceived as safe and open spaces for all coming from everywhere. People can, you know, wear masks or kind of hide their faces and still feel free and authentic who they are by attending the Pride Parade. And I think um, but this is, of course, one very small step, but it does help them, them become less and less afraid of and ashamed of who they are. And um, I think um, we have opened the National LGBT Helpline just because that we had many demands coming from people living outside Skopje, as well as from parents and teachers and healthcare workers dealing with LGBTI people at their workplace or their family environment. However, um, this is not enough. This is why we have opened the mobile psychosocial support service provision, which consists of a therapist and a social worker coming to the place where the person that has requested support lives in. Such as, for example, we had one case in Deborah, a trans young, young girl, 
who had issues with Emily, and then we had also the set of social work helping them together with our team. Um, I think when it comes to the border or the cross-border cooperation, uh, I have always said like in Yugoslavia times, this border was really visible. Like people did not interact with each other that much, although they share and they still, they share that they still share so many, you know, similar cultures, similar identities and, and struggles and financial and societal. Um, I think with the opening of the border, especially after the Prespa agreement, I think this is really uh, a very good opportunity for making these um, um, issues become less relevant and cooperation to get increased. Um, I think uh, when it comes to LGBTI people, for example, from North Macedonia studying in, in Greece, because there are some of them, this is also a very good opportunity to be used. And for example, these exchange opportunities like the Erasmus uh, program that offers, like the um, ESC and also the uh, mobility changes between uh, organizations or even uh, universities or schools can also help a lot when it comes to addressing LGBT-phobic uh, attitudes and beliefs within schools, healthcare institutions, or family environments. Um, finally, in the wider European term, we lack solidarity. We have seen this during the pandemic. So that is key when it comes to building bridges between everybody, you know, not only nations, but also different religions or different uh, cultures. Uh, solidarity is key is also when uh, helping uh, less privileged than the one that, that than we are. And this is especially aiming to the rich and LGBT people in both countries, because those are the ones that we need to ask help from uh, continuously in the, in, in the future as well. It's not only the state, but it's also kind of an obligation by everybody who has the ability and the privilege to let, to show and support the, the other. Unfortunately, we see a lot of solidarity or kind of willingness to support from the least privileged, like the LGBT Roma people. And this is kind of particular in our case, coming from Bitola and Strumica, there are so many, there are quite many LGBT people living there. And uh, I, one of the reasons this is happening is just because it's, um, they see this as an exit from their daily, live daily realities you know, helping, getting to know each other, getting connection with somebody else, building a community, uh, keeping in touch, uh, is also helping them a lot. So this is why we need to think of or reinvent some kind of our um, community building strategies in terms of uh, addressing also the need to have within community, uh, building community itself. So um, if we are not solidarity, within ourselves, like as a community, we should not be expecting too much from the others in a way. That was I would a, like, uh, very, sorry, sorry, sorry. Ah, yes, there is a lag, that's why sometimes we speak uh, at the same time. Go on. Uh, I would like to add, of course, that it's very sad to see that there are so many like huge differences between the big and the small city, between the areas in each country. So I would like to continue, for example, from like your point of view, what would be like your future expectations from the government and from the authorities? Or what, for example, if North Macedonia will be like a member of the European Union, 
will lead the country in establishing like a legal framework strong enough to secure the LGBTQ plus rights. And uh, for Europe, for example, the membership of Greece in the European Union has helped the country to involve and protect the LGBTQ plus rights. Who should start? <laughs> okay. Uh, yes, I think in the Greek case, uh, it does work. Membership in the EU does uh, work. But it's not uh, that EU membership per se, per se is how the domestic um, uh, political scene is using it. Uh, because um, as I told you, I think I've mentioned before that um, in all uh, ruling parties, there is uh, like a forward thinking uh, elite that uh, uh, pushes forward the things. So in the Greek case, this uh, the EU argument uh, was cited by them in order to forward things. But this is not, uh, you know, once you become member and uh, in, in the times that Greece became a member, we didn't have any EU conditionality. And once you become a member, you don't have it. Huh? The, you, uh, this uh, tool is uh, weakening and we can see it in the cases of uh, Hungary, Poland, maybe Bulgaria as well. Uh, Fortunately for the Greek case, you know, we still say, ah, this is something in the obligation. It, it somehow works, but it has to do with the um, uh, political legacy or a tradition of um, uh, domestically. Uh, when it comes to uh, the Macedonian case, then we have the very powerful tool of uh, EU conditionality, and we, but and still, we can see how one uh, ruling elite chose not to follow it, and of course, the you know the the Greek veto helped it a lot, and how another uh, ruling elite ch chose to follow it and become a good student, and that's why I insist that we should um, uh, reward. Let's say we should. Um, uh, give something in return uh, to when you see that uh, you know the the domestic uh, political elite uh, follows the the good examples, the good European examples, um, and after uh, and exactly because we have the um, uh, the Hungarian the Polish examples, I think EU uh, is moving towards establishing stricter uh, rules, and that's. Uh, uh, it might be more difficult for uh, North Macedonia to join, but it will be a, a healthier integration. Uh, I fully agree with uh, Apostolis. Um, I would also add that, um, unfortunately, I say unfortunately because every society and every state should uh, be guided or be led by democratic principles and human rights per se as principles not because of any other, like, uh, for example, integration process such as the EU accession. Um, but uh, in our case, it, it helps because um, we as a society are still a very fragile democratic society, and we need somebody to push us. Uh, I think the accession has shown its uh, positive uh, impact on uh, improving not only LGBT-related legislation, but also other legislation. 
and not only adopting it, but also implementing it. However, this depends on the uh, political structures in power, and especially when it comes to judiciary, the uh, level of professionalism and uh, uh, knowledge and skills on implementing the current laws and adopting the new laws and policies. Um, I will have to uh, kind of uh, back off from uh, your session currently because uh, with the Bulgarian uh, obstacles, uh, the North Macedonia's government is really uh, challenged to, to progress uh, forward in EU accession and has, you know, kind of used the Open Balkan Initiative as kind of a, let's say, substitute, although not a real substitute to EU accession. Um, however, <clears throat> it's a good starting point, such as the case of Belgium, Netherlands, and Luxembourg that happened long before the EU accession, uh, EU or European community then. And I think <clears throat> this should continue in this direction. Um, I would still keep uh, having examples of Norway and Iceland as uh, examples of how society should go forward when it comes to human rights uh, progress, uh, where EU accession is not the, the key uh, process that kind of uh, galvanizes the progress, but uh, it's the sheer willingness, political willingness of the elites and also the key demands of societies there to push for changes in the laws and policies, but also in the presentation. Uh, finally, I really hope that uh, with increased cooperation and uh, understanding between all the nations in the Balkans, I think there would, uh, it would be able, there would be a possibility for uh, citizens of the whole Balkan countries to see their role in how strong a democratic society can function. Because uh, unless there is active citizenry or active citizenship in all the countries and active monitoring of what the current governments, either at local, central level, do, we cannot have progress if we're not interested in politics, because politics is everywhere around us. And our political involvement and engagement has to be, I would say, compulsory kind of <clears throat> activity starting from adolescence and continuing until later and when we get retired, because this is the way we decide on what we want to do and what we live in and how we want to envision our future, uh, not only for us, but also for the generations that come after us. Um, and I really am happy that I'm part of this podcast because Greek and Macedonian youth can learn so much about themselves uh, through these mobilities, exchanges, cooperation, activities, and so on. And this is so important because those young people are really the future of countries. And as uh, was always mentioned in the beginning, we have really opened the Balkans much long before the open Balkans. I really hope that the Greek and Macedonian politicians really can uh, learn from our example and um, go uh, forward uh, in the similar direction that we have started a couple of years ago. They understand it and they want to follow it, but they are just <laughs> in their own uh, hateful rhetoric because they wanted, you know, to <laughs> attract some uh, voters before. So now they cannot uh, go open and say <laughs> uh, that, you know, this is our common interest. In but this is, if I am allowed. Huh? You are, you are. It was very inspirational from Antonio, so you're... Very <laughs> Go. 
this is um, a common, I would say, trend in Southeast Europe, uh, especially perhaps because we have to, you know, internally, internally meaning in, uh, inside each country, we have to face and to fight the conservative and nationalist uh, uh, patriarchal uh, uh, political views. So this is what uh, brings us closer. And we can see that in the, in the Southeast uh, domain, for example, like you, everyone knows about the Greek Macedonian uh, controversy. Hey, in, uh, in the LGBTI sector, the activists are very well connected because we understand that, for example, in advocating about the right of self-identification for trans people, <laughs> we cannot exclude the right of self-identification for a nation. Huh? Uh, the same applies to Greeks and uh, Turks. The, the activists, the LGBT activists between Greeks, uh, Greece and Turkey are so well connected, so, so solidar, they show so much solidarity to each other because they, uh, we have to face the same uh, opposition. Same with Serbia and Kosovo, same with, uh, I don't know, Croatia and Serbia and uh, Bosnia. It's, you know, it's all over the region. And I want to stress, to point out that this is happening in our region, but not in other regions. So, <laughs> uh, for example, in, uh, in the Israeli-Palestinian conflict, in the Israeli-Arab conflict, you cannot see that. You cannot see that you know the LGBTI activists are cooperating closer, or in the Caucasus region. I don't know why, but you know we we are um, uh, exemplary for uh, in this uh, field. Uh, I think no. I, I also agree that we should we also as a youth organization could do this cooperation for doing this. Uh, struggle to make the bridge between the young people and also you as LGBT activists, we should be an example that no matter what it will be signed, no matter the politics, when we have a common challenges and common interest, the way forward is on a bilateral, on a byway, on a bilateral way. So let's find uh, this kind of common positive examples and this was all a purpose of me and Alex to do this podcast because uh, it's time to show also the, the bright sides, not, not only to talk about the issues and uh, the challenges that we have, but also there are in this kind of difficult times and difficult topics and matters like the LGBT and human rights, there is also some, let's say, bright side that people are cooperating beyond uh, the political and uh, the nationalistic movements because they have one common goal and this is not excluding nation, people, race and gender, but it's all, the goal it's one, everyone to be equal and to, to have the, the, the equal access to equal rights. So Alex? I would like to say that this podcast is like the first step that we are doing like uh, we're advocating because LGBTQ plus rights are human rights. Also, the protection of the refugees are human rights. Gender equality, it's human rights. So we can, we can, we must educate, respect each other, 
And I think this podcast is something in order to give to many people in order to educate themselves and listen like to a different and to see a different perspective. So yeah, I would like to thank you all for this podcast. I would like to thank you, Anelia, Antonio, Apostolis, everyone. And uh, that we must be like engaged on securing not only the LGBTQ plus rights in general human rights by doing our opinions like uh, an everyday practice in our daily lives. So thank you all of you. Is it already over? Huh? Oh, you, you <laughs> can say something for unfortunately, for the, uh... yes. Uh, but perhaps before we close, Antonio, don't you think we should? Uh, share with the audience our common uh, uh, vision about Balkan Pride. Please, Balkan Federation at the LGBTI level. So (laughs) again, we will become a a pioneer in unificating (laughs) this region. (laughs) We can, we can advocate, can we advocate for a bilateral pride? Not Balkan, but bilateral, (laughs) only between North Macedonia and Greece. (laughs) <laughs> it's in the benefit of our initiative that's why i'm pushing <laughs> definitely we, we had the city though we had the name for this but this should go off the record <laughs> should i Between... should, should i turn <laughs> off the recording now yeah maybe yeah <laughs> just now no. you can say bye and then you will share <laughs> In a way, I mean, I think uh, Balkan Pride is a logical just continuation of what we have done in the region so far uh, in the past couple of years. Mm, we are so many countries in such a small territory uh, sharing, you know, the same issues, problems. Uh, the community are more or less in the same status everywhere. And I think this is just a natural like step forward. However, it's still informal, not so structured. Uh, the pandemic also hit us heavily. <laughs> we didn't have any Pride uh, last year, at least physical one. And um, we were also very unhappy. I was personally very dissatisfied that we were not, I was not able to go to Saloniki Pride and Europe Pride at the same time, yeah. just because of the pandemic. But uh, we're looking forward to Belgrade hosting next year's Europe Pride and then hopefully the Saloniki Pride. Uh, yes. It was written in the agenda, but we didn't mention it. But but the pride can start from Thessaloniki to go through um, the the highway friendship. Yeah, exactly. Across <laughs> through Skopje and then to go to Belgrade. So I think yeah. we can manage. Mm. We will ask for support from the youth cooperation you have then when we analyze it. <laughs> yes, <laughs> we will be happy to 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 assist you. Thank you also from my side. I really enjoyed your energy and I hope. Yeah, me too. And I hope this is only only a start of a good cooperation between the youth uh, cooperation uh, offices, our initiative, which is cooperation for a common future. And let's see if we are all under a common rainbow. Mm -hmm. So I would like everyone who are listening to us to share, comment, like, express their uh, thoughts about uh, what we have discussed today. Those who are planning to do a hate speech, the comments will be blocked and deleted. (laughs) This is what I'm promising. (laughs) Thank you all guys, thank you. (laughs) Okay, see ya for uh, next topic, Alex. We will agree mutually what, what the next topic will be. 
we will agree and we will continue this podcast with uh, another amazing podcast. For sure. <laughs>